Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butt. Come on, sucker. Let's get it on. Oh, you want to fight? You want to fight? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. You don't know anybody named Iris? I don't know nobody named Iris. Can I have a piece of toast? I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Western demands. How could you do this to me? Blit, I want to know. Why did you do that? What you feel only matters to you. Step back for one minute and look at the big picture. And that's all. No, no, not for the real fire. The often bond a family that very few can understand. Help me. Help you. <laughs> I don't do drugs. Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up? Welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my huckleberry. I am the Lizard King. I can do anything. We're crossing the streams there. Jim Morrison? Yeah. But... <laughs> Today, we are talking, is it an Amazon original? It is. Val, the documentary about... Val Kilmer. Which I'm calling Val on Val. Produced by Val Art Limited. I was telling a co-worker today who was a former actor that all aspiring actors should watch Val because his commitment to the acting craft is like what you need to succeed in what's potentially the hardest job in the business. Is there overcompensation here? What do you mean? Kelly, who I don't know, knows... A tremendous amount about Val Kilmer behind the scenes. Even she was like, it's a little self-serving, right? I mean, I call it Val on Val because it's just him. And granted, a lot of it is his footage, of course. And then he has people shooting his modern life post-cancer and recovery and all that stuff. I mean, the documentary is no more self-serving than him documenting his entire life. Right. He did it presumably because he is a person who needs record. He needs vestige of his life in order to feel like it's real, happening, validated. I mean, he was compelled to document his life, and he did so compulsively. Long before there was ever any need for this footage for a documentary, he was just the first dude with a video camera that he knew. And he and his brothers, like many filmmakers, started out making their own films, and then it just the camera just seemed to be attached to his hand and his eye. But as movie making goes, impartiality is important. This is a closed system. There were zero people in the chair other than Val Kilmer, who was technically voiced by his kid. Yeah, he speaks for himself as a talking head, and then he has the voiceover narration done by Jack. But back to my original point, I didn't realize that Val Kilmer was a Juilliard-trained methody, all-in, artist, temperament actor. 
This is a guy who's meant to act, whose only purpose in life is to be seen and to be on camera like he is the consummate actor. And I kind of feel like it would make any aspiring actor who isn't really serious about being an actor be like, "Mm, yeah, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Especially if you want to succeed in this kind of ruthless, very critical, very love you or hate you in the spotlight kind of business. And as it happens, just in terms of pop culture icons, Jim Morrison, Doc Holliday, I guess Iceman and Top Gun are probably enough. Like cements his place in cinema? He has beloved performances. Like people, I love Val Kilmer in that one movie. Except for Island of Dr. Moreau. Well, I mean, everyone has their flops, even Brando, obviously. (laughs) Moving forward, when you look back on Val Kilmer's life, maybe Val will come to stand as the testament to his life and career, right? Val by Val. And maybe that's enough. That's I think that is certainly what he wants. He wants to inform viewers about what informs his acting experience, which is his personal life, his trials, uh, you know, the tragedy. And uh, I guess that's enough for some people. I mean, he's proven himself to be a true blue artist. And you can't not think that he did Val for artistic purposes and maybe to cement himself as that actor's actor or the actor for the ages. But do you think that maybe given his current circumstances, there might have been a mercenary motivation? Does this take the burden off of his touring schedule and public appearances schedule a little bit? Basically, is he using all that footage now that he feels like he has a story to tell his story for money? It seems like he might need the money. Yeah. And he needs his money. Okay, fine. But selling his land for $33 million, my understanding is he still retains about 11 acres out of the thousands he once had. But still, $33 million for anybody struggling is no small amount. Like, it's not like he went Nicolas Cage or Johnny Depp spending crazy, as far as I can tell. No one has ever said he has to live in a hut built by a shaman and only drinks purified river water or anything. Who does that? I don't know. It's an exaggeration. I was trying to think of the wildness of Val Kilmer (laughs) and what would appeal to a dude who's so closely tied to nature. Like his water is alkaline and imported from New Mexico or something. And all the aquamarine is possessed of special powers. (laughs) Right. A whole lot of uh, a whole lot of turquoise. turquoise yeah, which which <laughs> looks doofy until like maybe that's his mom's jewelry, and then you're like, oh, yeah, it's true. That all of it kind of comes around and is justified in some weird way. But maybe he was overextended. I mean, he's not a financial type, right? He's an artist type, and maybe he mismanaged his funds so exorbitantly that he was overextenuated beyond thirty three million. I didn't realize that's how much he sold his land for. But he is very obviously living in a duplex with his dog daughter or next to his daughter and um i mean you don't just show up for the texas outdoor tombstone film festival because you're like rolling in it i mean look val kilmer is a classically trained actor and he's certainly dedicated to his craft he's made some performances that i love and that i'm appreciative of him for and unfortunately a lot of those revolved around his voice he had a magnificent talent with his voice He wasn't like the voiceover type, but just his characters were about voices by and large. And when he lost his voice, unfortunately, he lost a lot of his Mm. marketability as far as I'm concerned. So now he's a curiosity of sorts, which is really difficult. And there's the sad life of Val Kilmer all over the place. You can read articles, you can watch videos, but it's not like he didn't have a tremendously successful life. And maybe he squandered a bunch of money so that he had to do it 
for the cash. Well, he said, I'm now remembering that he said that he lost a lot in the divorce. Divorce is expensive. Yeah, well, I also heard he lost a lot in the stock market crash. Right. And I think he sold his land for, actually, maybe that was what it was listed for. And he ultimately sold it for half of that asking price. So I have to amend that. But the point is that he can do the stuff like the Comic-Cons or whatever, and he's the the shell of his former self, and he's doing it for the buck. But Val, I don't think, is for the buck. I Like you said, he's trying to create legitimate art. And it's art about, it just happens to be about Val Kilmer by Val Kilmer. It's much more shimmery and much more romantic because he said, the story of my life that is also not my life. And it's like, uh-oh, we're going to go deep with this one, or maybe not deep at all, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Yes, I wanted to talk about that. I'm I'm so interested that you picked up on that or that we were both sensing this because by covering such a large swath of his life and such kind of varied aspects of art and artistry, it did feel like it somehow stayed on a surface level. And it's not for lack of access. I mean, we get virtually unfettered access, but it's glim- they're mere glimpses here and there. They're not always serving story purposes. Sometimes some of the clips are intended to evoke a specific kind of emotion or to get add some subtext to what's being said on the surface. But as much as he was letting us in, I still felt like Val Kilmer was keeping us at arm's length. And so the people who come in don't know anything about Val Kilmer. This is his story. This is his testament. But for me, I grew up watching Val Kilmer movies. I grew up loving some and being disappointed in others and really following an interesting actor with some unique talents, particularly around his voice. But at the same time, I saw the strings and I read about the discord and I heard about him being difficult. And I heard about all the stories of his method acting. And I don't imagine that most of the people who are really difficult to get along with, that people say, uh, you know, get now get that bastard off my set. And I never want to be associated with that person again. I don't think that they do it to be difficult. They just have, this is what's acceptable for me. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I'm not going to bend my principles for your movie. I'll turn my camera off when we start rehearsing. That's not a little bit difficult. It's admirable in that that was added, but it's a mere glimpse. It's just a taster of all the other stuff I heard. I was so excited at the height of Val Kilmer's fame for The Island of Dr. Moreau with Marlon Brandon. I went out and bought the book and read it and was all excited for the movie. And then even I thought it was a piece of crap. And then I heard all these stories about this almost war of egos between Brando and Val Kilmer who weren't necessarily opposed to each other, although I don't think think they liked each other but just like both refused to come out of their trailers until the other one did and Val Kilmer burning a dude like a crew member with a cigarette all this terrible stuff and that was really one of my first introductions for a project that I was excited about that it seems like everyone was excited about David Tuilis and Val Kilmer and Frankenheimer who ultimately came in all did it to work with Brando And it was a letdown all around. And that was my first real experience of delving into what made a movie that I was excited about a letdown. Well, it sounded like the problem with Dr. Moreau was the directing and the directors. Was that not the case? 
I mean, that seemed to be Val Kilmer's very simple explanation for why it it turned out so badly. I mean, admittedly, Frankenheimer wanted to work with Brando, but the previous director, this was his dream project. He spent four years developing it, so much so that after he was let go, after like four days of principal photography, when everything went to hell, that he went and convinced Wardrobe to make him up like one of the beasts, and he lurked around the set the whole time and like only revealed his identity at the rap party. This was at the height of Val Kilmer's fame, arguably, and difficulty on set. That's not weird? It is. It's all very weird. And it's it's kind of what happens when you make a movie by committee, but not necessarily communicating within that committee. It's just a community around Marlon Brando, who's already well off his rocker by then. Yeah, he's all kinds of Colonel Kurtz. And so we use that as an example, and yet I don't think that that is Val Kilmer's definitive role. It seems like his definitive persona in the media. I think at the height of his fame, his talent, and his ability to immerse himself in a role that comes across well, it's got to be The Doors. We all love Tombstone and Doc Holliday, but I think Jim Morrison played much more closely to Val Kilmer's faux spiritual connection to mysticism and the craft and his identity. It seemed like he kind of is, he's like the Jim Morrison of actors. (laughs) Val's take on that experience seems to be that was something that he couldn't not do, that he did everything in his power to get and that he got and that succeeded both critically and commercially. Right. And most importantly, he did so well. The Doors said at times they couldn't distinguish between Val's voice and Jim Morrison's on a recording. Yeah, that seems like Val's high point in terms of his acting career. And it it maybe gave him these other opportunities that were perhaps more lucrative, some critical validation. But, you know, whatever that unlocked for him didn't seem to pay off in the same way that the doors paid off artistically. Like the other movies, Batman and Batman was, you know, commercial success and probably a good payday. But it sounds like Dr. Moreau, in addition to being an artistic disaster, was also the end of his marriage. And yeah, it didn't really the success didn't seem to bode well with him. Yeah, I wonder if it becomes too much. If a movie becomes a runaway thing because of other elements and you just happen to be the star or one of the stars of it, but when the spotlight shines on you, you turn away and go kind of nuts. I mean, we've seen it happen so many times with these rock star leading men types who were never meant to play the game. They don't play the game Tom Cruise style. Their life is movies are a part of it, but it's about the art man. And I can see Val Kilmer and Nicolas Cage having their own reality show where they they both talk at the same time and neither is talking to the other. He was what, 26, 27 when he broke out. So he was like a kid. Now he had aspirations to um, do Hamlet by then. I don't know if Top Gun qualifies, but by all respects, a commercial success by Hollywood standards, and really kind of catapulted his career. And um, from there, he seemed to hold on to his own principles and his own goals. And it seemed like at some point, the fame, the attention, all that got a little unwieldy for him. And that's when he started maybe overcompensating and getting to, and becoming difficult. And... and droning by the firelight and cutting his own hair with a knife. Yeah, what was the context for that one? I don't know. And it looked awesome. And he looked great and also super crazy. 
But maybe, you know, Top Gun takes care of itself. It doesn't have a sequel. Island of Dr. Moreau is a fiasco. Never has a sequel. Batman was set up for a franchise. Every boy wants to be Batman, but that that doesn't mean playing Batman in a movie necessarily. So the big payday comes around because Batman Forever, hugely successful. And when it's not to his specifications, next time around, he's like, nah, not going to do it. So money at that point is not important to him. The craft or the role or whatever seems to have, you know, overshadowed that. And that's fine. That's admirable, right? He wants his output to be consistent with his personal investment and, and hopes. No Iceman in Top Gun Maverick. You don't know that. By all accounts, he has some some part in it. But Val Kilmer unfortunately doesn't look great. And Top Gun Maverick has been delayed because of COVID, but his surgery was is already 5 years ago now. And so his role and he there's not nary a glimpse of him in the trailer. It hasn't been talked about at all. Isn't it crazy how tore up Val Kilmer looks and how ageless Tom Cruise looks? Well, Tom Cruise is a machine. And Val Kilmer is a real person who undoubtedly has good looks. Now, Val Kilmer had been through some stuff weight-wise, but radiation and chemotherapy kills the cancer cells, and it also does real damage. Chemotherapy causes some bloat, and radiation in particular would have been targeted at his throat, and so it made his the lower part of his face kind of puffy and bloated. And that's and he's you know kind of hunched over, and it's hard how rough-looking he is. Kudos to Val Kilmer for showing up human in Val, but doesn't it make Tom Cruise all that much more creepy and anomalous? I'm sure he has touch up. He's touched up in every frame that he's in, but he's like he and Nicole Kidman. I don't know, dude. There might be something to sticking with Scientology. (laughs) I think she's out of it now. Val Kilmer never really talks about his relationship with Christian science. He said that he got his faith from his mom. And I was like, but what faith? Is it turquoise spiritualism? Is it this weird Oppenheimer connection with the desert and just roaming around in a drug haze? I mean, it's obviously what bonded his parents. It seemed to me that he was looking for direction and he was looking for immersion and something that was his. Lost his brother. Really sad. See what happens when you don't have a Wesley in your life. Everybody's just directionless. That was really sad. Ultra sad. And I'm not making light of it. They were so young. And then he like all talks about how he was dwarfed creatively by his brother, you know, especially considering how important his creativity was to him. But maybe that is his demon. Maybe Wesley is his demon in the same way that River is Joaquin's demon. You know, it's hard and feels creatively dwarfed. And and everyone still still talks about River Phoenix, even though his brother is an Academy Award winner. And, And sad, but it didn't seem like his parents were the people that he viewed his little brother as. You know, his dad made some bad investments and he was estranged when his parents divorced. And his mom, it was fine, but she was, you know, off in Arizona. The strong figures in his life were the imagined figure of the, his brother's potential. And maybe it just kind of made him a little bit nuts. <laughs> I mean, he very much wants to demonstrate, and it seems like his kids are on board. They also had hands in this film. His kid narrated it, and his daughter, you know, she appears in it. They both co-produce it. He really wants to be close to his kids in a way that it doesn't seem like he really had with his own parents. 
And it seems like he still has a relationship with his ex-wife, Joanne. Right. And it's interesting because while it didn't have, this movie didn't have any testimonials, aside from maybe his kids a little bit, the fact that he has a relationship with his ex-wife goes to Comic-Con for fan service for, you know, a few bucks at a time. I also hear he does, he had done a lot of charity work and even went overseas for the troops and stuff. All that speaks to a benevolence and a people-mindedness that is directly contrary, I think, to everything I heard about him being the difficult, reclusive, faux genius, superstar celebrity. It just seems like there are two levels of Val Kilmer. There's the tortured, uncompromising artist, and then there's the guy who's like, I'm going to the Tombstone Rally in Texas or whatever. He seems to approach his public appearances very pragmatically, very professionally, whereas, you know, maybe he was a little bit more difficult when he was, you know, kind of at the height of his fame. Yeah, it just seems like the punches that life has thrown have caused him to just be a little bit more pragmatic. And make no mistake, him being in that enclosure is 100% because he charged for every picture, every autograph, every fan interaction. I've been to Comic-Con. I saw the Hulkster, who I grew up loving, and I still wasn't willing to pay the 50 bucks he was requesting for an autograph. Wow. So when he's smiling and saying thank you, he was like doing a job. I'm sure he does appreciate it because people love him. I love him in number of roles that he's played. I have a lot of admiration for Val Kilmer. Doesn't mean I wanted to hang out with the dude because of all the stuff I heard about him. Did you respect and appreciate Citizen Twain? I am intrigued. Or excuse me, Cinema Twain is the movie version. Is But it was never put on film, right? Well, according to Val Kilmer's filmography, Cinema Twain was 2019, and it's an hour and 30 minutes long. I would be happy to see that. I remember hearing about it. Mark Twain seems like the great untapped American voice person who's never successfully made it to the screen, and maybe that's what he was trying to do. I would definitely be curious to see it. What did you think about his goal of making a classic? I mean, he the fact that he labored on it, that he's certainly capable enough to bring that character to life through his voice and his acting would have been well enough. But everyone tries to make a great movie. And so you think, it, oh, it's kind of pretentious that he thinks he's making a classic. But I do feel like it was more like he was trying to make something of an appreciable quality. And so I don't I didn't fault him for it. You do your best. You do your little 10 years off and on Val Kilmer and we'll see what comes out of it. I didn't exactly understand why he was sitting on the coast and in the chair. Why he didn't want his wingtips to get wet. But yeah, I mean it does seem like a it it seemed like a worthy investment for him and then timing-wise it just it seemed to be thwarted with his with you know with his cancer and he's he's coughing up blood and I mean, not only was he kind of like going out on a limb and taking a bet on himself and doing his one-man band kind of a thing, but yeah, he got way, way, way laid by this cancer thing, which seemed to change everything for him. And apparently when he started coughing up blood, all of a sudden he was in Cher's guest house who he dated at one point. So he maintains some level of relationship. He doesn't drive everyone away or burn these bridges as difficult as he may be at times there's something in there that his kids adore him and a lot of people adore him in his life with whom he's had former more serious relationships but it's not like he drove them away and alienated himself deliberately no no in fact 
despite some real weirdness with his parents, he seemed to still revere them in his own way and stay close to them until their until the end. And yeah, keeps seems to keep his kids close. And yeah, I mean, he he certainly doesn't seem like he wants to alienate and isolate. He just needs to be in relationships where he, he can also be him. And so that was what I was concerned about. Going into Val, I wondered how impartial it would be. I mean, we give a, we're giving a lot of credit to Val and his family, and it's, and it's definitely due. But there's a filmmaking director pair behind this film yep. that I'm sure painstakingly pieced it together. Really? You feel like they painted a, a lopsided or a, an influenced picture of Val Kilmer? I think it was rosier and smoothed over than it could have no. been. Because no. I honestly thought there was going to be one of two directions. It was going to be what we got, this sort of arty, nostalgic kind of feel that's tinged with sadness and loss and regret. Or we were going to get a very in-depth investigative piece because the best part of Val for me was glimpses behind the scenes of the happy-go-lucky prankster kind of fun guy on set. I was most fascinated by this idea that he said that he had a great time as Iceman, as Kazansky, antagonizing Maverick on set and thus antagonizing Tom Cruise and how very quickly this film became about two camps and it was about Iceman and the other dude and Tom Cruise and everybody else because he was the bad guy and he was all methody on set but now he and Tom Cruise are friends but I wonder at the time on Top Gun if Tom Cruise knew that he and Val Kilmer were friends and that it was the characters that were at odds did it not seem to Tom Cruise that Val Kilmer was just being kind of a wiener? It's just not that perspective we didn't get. Nor do we necessarily need to. What we got from Val is that Val is a very weird dude, <laughs> but he's not actually crazy. I think part of what Val was trying to communicate to us is this was an artist who actually has very human, very real, very kind of rational motivations. Yep. Don't we all have rationale for what we do? And didn't we just get a little bit of glimpse from where of where Val Kilmer's coming from? We just don't have the power, i.e. the money, to really flex the crazy that we want to. But make no mistake, they're all crazy. Nicolas Cage is crazy. Joaquin Phoenix is crazy. Val Kilmer is crazy. Tom Cruise is a very controlled crazy. <laughs> he doesn't seem any less rational, though. But he's mellowed. Gary Oldman is crazy, but he's older now, and they've settled into this thing. Do you know that Gary Oldman was actually up for his role in The Island of Dr. Moreau? But he was doing something else, and no, he was in rehab, so he couldn't take the role. They're all crazy. Brando was crazy. And you're not crazy. I'm crazy. I just can't be like, I'm not doing it your way. I'm doing it my way because I'm crazy. And look, on the flip side, does he have these ideals and these forceful positions? I'm sure he does. A lot of the people that I admire do. And he's not acting out or getting into fights or alienating his kids. He's chilling with his scarf and he's making scrapbooks and documentaries. Maybe it's just the craziness of youth and too much power in your youth. 
And so Val was measured and careful and not glad-handing. You're trying to say that it was biased and that it was not true. It's a version of Val's truth. Right. It's his version of his truth. I just felt it But it lacked. doesn't make it any less true just because it's not a complete picture of what happened on the set of The Island of Dr. Moreau. You've, how many times have you told me that when it comes to any artistic endeavor, any creative endeavor, outside perspective is important? Like, you can't just write a thing and not do rewrites and decide that your thing is the best it's going to be. You're saying that Val was just created unchecked and that he's saying, people, indulge me again on my take on my life. You're saying that, that Val is completely unchecked? No. It was directed by different people. Right. I'm not sure that Val had it in him to direct this movie himself or to compile it by himself, but I think his hand is all over it. And that that's not necessarily a bad thing. I was happy to see Val because of a unique perspective for a dude who swore up and down in the press that the rumors were unfounded, that it was untrue, that he in no way suffered from cancer, had no treatment. And of course there was pain and fear and shame in there and how distinctly different it was. And then I was also so elated to see any of the stuff behind the scenes that you would never see except from a major star who insisted on carrying his own personal video camera to every shoot. And it seems like the dudes on Top Gun were exactly the same as they were in Top Gun. All like shirtless and dancing in jean shorts. <laughs> so what are you disappointed about? I'm not disappointed. What are you complaining about? I'm saying, that I, <laughs> I'm saying that I went in expecting three different kinds of a Val documentary and I got one of them and I wondered about the rest of it. I wondered about the other versions. Oh, okay. So Val wasn't three movies for you, so it, it, it didn't meet your expectations. I didn't say anything. Can we talk about something that we agree on? Okay. Doc Holliday being the preeminent performance, right? At least as far as I'm concerned. It's the one of his I love the most. At least there we can agree. Yes. But I haven't seen The Doors, so maybe we should add that to the review list. What do you think? You know, The Doors was a really big thing. Kelly remembers having the t-shirt, and she doesn't remember whether or not it was Jim Morrison or Val Kilmer on the shirt. <laughs> the Val Kilmer Oliver Stone film was everywhere. You know, all of actors' bodies are their instruments, right? But he does play his voice particularly well, and it makes him particularly transformative as an actor. I mean, it certainly does as Doc Holliday. My favorite performance is all about the voice and the restraint in his voice and the southern modulation of his voice. I mean, the whole character is this weird ball of energy and restraint and power and... Sexiness, uh, and you can say it. also really Sweatiness. freaking sexy and sweaty and all tore up and hot <laughs> and just it's just it's great action and oh, it's such a great moment he has with Kyle Reese and you're like damn that's a good movie so let's end in a place where we actually agree because well actually no let's see if we agree what is your ultimate rating on Val? I mean, look, I expected a thing for sure, but I liked what it had. I thought it was fascinating and in its own little way, devastatingly honest. You would think that he would be making this documentary and making his scrapbooks and not going to the fan conventions and stuff on screen and not being shown to puke without provocation into a trash can and, and really hard stuff to watch. So in that way, it was unflinching and brought up some questions for me, but it wasn't bad. I would say that this was an all right documentary. 
Okay, so then we can't agree. Doc Holliday, potentially Val Kilmer's best and most memorable performance. And also that Val is an all right and good movie. So let me ask you, will this trigger, do you think, a valisance or, if you will, an evaluation? <laughs> yes. Next on the list, The Doors. 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com. Email us with the subject line, Val. Thank you for listening to our review on Val, and we'll see you next time. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.